what is up you guys i have such a special and awesome episode today i'm bringing back a guest she's never been on the show i just mean i'm having a guest for the first time in a long time and i'm so excited to have her here today chef eva b and she's gonna talk to us a little bit about her her own personal health journey. So how she used food and changed her diet for her own mental health. So it's so powerful. She is a chef, obviously. She um, has an online and TV cooking show, recipe developer, host and producer focusing on simple, unique and from scratch recipes. And they're all inspired by her world travels. Um, that she's gone through in her life. And so she shares a lot of powerful messages and tips today. So have a listen. You know, I've talked about this before. What we eat affects way more than our physical health, and it does play a huge role in our mental health. So listen to this episode. There is so much greatness to it, and I hope you all enjoy it. Hey, I'm Jessica Dirksen, and this is my podcast. The True You Podcast is the place to be to get the tools to live your life by design so you can be the person you want to be, feel freaking amazing from the inside out, and live a life that you love. Thank you, Eva, so much for being on the show today. I'm so excited to talk with you. Why don't you start by introducing yourself, telling everyone who you are, kind of what you're up to in the world. Well, thanks for having me, Jessica. I am Eva B. I am sort of like a multidisciplinary online virtual cooking instructor. I've done personal chefing for clients in the past, for the past five years in Ottawa. And I just love learning about dietary restrictions and how it helps people heal. And so working with practitioners is definitely something that I do from time to time when working with clients. And I'm heavily influenced not only by that, but also by my world travels. I love the, like, I love traveling myself, but especially during a pandemic, it's been really awesome to be trying out new recipes from around the world. Like I'm starting to do some live broadcasting on Twitch while I do professional recipe development. And I get people from around the world tuning in to that platform. It's kind of, for those who don't know, Twitch is this virtual streaming platform. It sort of started out with like video game nerds. <laughs> let's just, let's just be real. And, uh, but it's like really like expanded. So there's lots of food and drink streamers. And I decided while I started pivoting my business to be more of like a virtual cooking instructor that I would set up a little home studio. And yeah, it's amazing how many people from around the world tune in and just kind of like guide me along to cooking their international cuisines. And then I, I'm like, is this substitution okay? Because like with some things you don't really want to substitute that much. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I've, I've made it work for um, my husband and uh, my dietary restrictions. So one, have you always been a foodie? Like, do you love food? 
Yeah, I actually was thinking about this before we started recording. I think like ever since I have an older brother and ever since he taught me how to make scrambled eggs by myself, I was like, you can do this. <laughs> like I just found <laughs> cooking so magical. And so ever since then, I just always, I mean, I never really knew that I was like a foodie per se, but I always loved like trying new things and mm -hmm. experimenting with like, what's like an easy thing to make as a snack, but kind of like a little bit more elevated, <laughs> that kind of thing. And actually my first job, well, technically my first job was selling popsicles at a local pool, <laughs> but my second more formal job was at Dairy Queen. I just remember like, whenever it was like a slow period mixing different flavors together and seeing like what works and what doesn't. So I think, yeah, I think I've always been a foodie. I love it. So share with us a little bit about your dietary restrictions that you mentioned. Yeah. So I sought out a, um, an allergist because I started noticing uh, just for context, I'm in my mid thirties. So in my mid twenties, I started noticing that whenever I would drink alcohol, I like my hands would start getting inflamed and I would get panic attacks and my throat would start closing up and it was pretty scary. <laughs> so, um, when I went to more of a traditional allergist, they didn't really see anything. Um, like I did like the, the arm yeah. test. Um, and then I went to see another one and more of like a holistic one. And they essentially told me to do an autoimmune paleo diet, which is like nightshade free, no legumes, no dairy, uh, no gluten, obviously no grains. Although she let me, let me, um, she didn't say it was an autoimmune paleo diet, but she just said like low gl gluten. Mm -hmm. And apparently all grains have gluten. I don't know. She was a little bit of a in retrospect, I'm not sure how legitimate she was. However, having eliminated those foods, I didn't realize how much of an impact it would have on my mental health. Because at the time, sure, I was getting the, the panic attacks while drinking, but like it was also when I was not drinking, it would just kind of come up with like a very small anxiety trigger uh, to the point where I could barely work a shift at a restaurant uh, without just like crying for like half an hour in the bathroom, you know, I just have to like, like it, I, it was pretty bad. So it took maybe about six or eight months of a really strict diet, uh, to really notice a huge difference, like monumentous difference in my clarity of thought in my anxiety levels. Like it was just yeah. And like I said, I, I sought out an allergist because of the physical reactions I was getting. And I had no idea that it would help the other stuff. Yeah. I think so many people don't recognize how much our food can affect every part of our being, like our mental health, our emotional health, obviously our physical health, but like our gut, everything. It's so powerful when you really start to pay attention to your body and recognize. So, what are your thoughts? Did you cut out sugar? So, I didn't what did I cut out sugar? So the allergist sort of told me like nothing artificial. So it was like anything that I would purchase that would have sugar in it. Mm -hmm. I, there would all always be like an additive, like a 
um, like a preservative or a dye. So I or soy. Like it's amazing how many of these like little things are put in. And like I have a chemistry uh, degree from Carleton, so like I kind of understand why a manufacturer would put in these things just to make it taste texturally more interesting, whatever. And um, so yeah, I think I did still consume sugar, but I just realized that you know if I would make something grain free, I mean if I had some sugar, like it, it, it just took me more effort to make a dessert. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that I just like, I ended up eliminating a lot of excess carbohydrates, I believe, um, that, um, yeah, I pretty much did. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you eat? What do I eat now? So yeah, that was about 10 years. Well, no, a little less than 10 years ago. And, uh, right now, I sort of went, so like in between those, the then and now I went to cooking school in Ireland. So I was already working as a chef. I decided I wanted to focus more on teaching. So that's why I went to cooking school and the cooking school I went to was on its own organic farm in the South of Ireland near Cork. <laughs> so I figured when I was there, I, and I had already gotten the okay from this allergist to start reintroducing things. So I introduced dairy right away with no issues. I think nightshades, I kind of knew that they were never a good thing for me. So right now I tend to avoid it. But all that to be said, I went to Ireland and since I was going to cooking school, I pretty much introduced everything back into my diet except gluten. For, we learned how to make sourdough bread. So I would have like a piece just to see. And I immediately got like crazy brain fog. And it wasn't just like a carb thing. Cause I know people get that with carbohydrates, but I knew that like, okay, maybe gluten is not for me. Uh, interestingly though, when I came back to Canada, uh, and started eating the same way as I did in Ireland, I was starting to feel kind of like sick again. I would get really bad dysmenorrhea symptoms. So that, that was kind of like the second phase of my diet and health journey. So I started to see a functional medicine doctor and she prescribed a keto diet for me. I incorporated a lot of fats and, uh, eliminated most carbohydrates. And I, found like some like little benefits to it. Um, but really I can, we can talk about the dysmenorrhea later if you, if you're interested, but just to like jump, uh, forward to now, I pretty much eat a low carbohydrate, high protein diet. And I find that that really mitigates most of my, uh, menstrual pain and it just keeps me lively. I sleep better. I definitely have like less anxiety. I, I always notice that whenever I travel, I definitely have more carbs and I find and less protein because it's like more expensive to, <laughs> to eat out and just like, oh, let's all have a steak dinner for breakfast and dinner. You know, like you, it's kind of hard to do that when you're traveling. So yeah, like if I would have something more high carb, I noticed that the next morning I'm just like, like, well, first of all, it's, anxiety ridden to be in a new country you know I, I usually kind of like I like to adventure so I usually pick a place that I don't know a lot about um and so yeah there's already anxiety there but like yeah like the I just know notice that 
I'm just way more on edge if I, if I don't have protein and like a low carb diet. So that's pretty much what I focus on today. And I will say shout out to your local farmer. I, I've been noticing that uh, if I buy a CSA, Community Shared Agriculture share, so that is like a, you buy into a farm and then every two weeks or however frequently you choose, they will give you a little box of what they've grown locally. And I find that that's, I think like, it's like a more of like a spiritual thing for me, if we can call it that, where I feel more connected to the land and it's just like, just forces you to have like a diversity in nutrients by like having all these vegetables that you're forced to cook with. And I think that's really important too. And it really, it's really easy to keep myself on track to eat low carb that way, because yeah, you have a bunch of vegetables that you have to cook through. And so that with like some meat is pretty, it's pretty simple. Like if you look at my blog and the recipes that I develop, some of them may seem like a little bit more not advanced, but I definitely like to play around with spices and different, different things for each recipe. But like when it comes to it, I think if you just have some vegetables and some protein, like that is like super easy, delicious, nutritious. Yeah. So I'm so interested in how people, how bodies react to food. So like, I know everyone, we digest food differently. Like our biology is a little different, right? So what works for me might not work for everyone else and vice versa. And so I'm always so interested. And I, I like, I do so many studies and, and research and, and listen to all the podcasts. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and I don't eat gluten. I've cut out sugar over the last few months and like that brain fog, like that mental clarity. It's like, why do I even want to put that crap into my body when it just makes me just so like it affects me in so many ways. And so, and that you said, you know, like that mental, that fog is just there. And I hate that. And so I, anyway, so one of those podcasts I was listening to, they're like, you know, we have these macronutrients that people focus on. They're like, but carbs is not natural. Like, like if you go back to like caveman days, like there were no carbs there really. Like it was the proteins and the fats that were, that mostly were eaten and it was so beneficial and look how healthy they were and, you know, and strong and their strength and their, like their mentality was mindset was all different as well. But it was just really interesting because I know people always say to me, well, you're not eating carbs. You're going to be tired. And you're not, I'm like, first of all, like I focus so much on energy. Like my whole life is like, if I need energy all day, and that's why I'm so in tune to my body, right? Like I know what to eat for energy and carbs is not, doesn't help me. And I work out a ton and I strength train and I don't need carbs. And so, you know, people have that we've been raised, I think in our society of like, here, eat this processed, you know, easy go-to snack and the breads and all of this stuff. And the other really interesting thing actually on this podcast is Dr. Setter, he's like a dietitian. And he said, our body, the way that North America like creates bread, the way that it's so heavily processed, our body can't even recognize it as food. And they're like, so it's, we can't break it down properly. And so we're not even getting any of the nutritional value that might be in there. And I was like, oh, that's so true. And when you like so many people have a hard time digesting it. So I just think it's so interesting. Yeah. I hear anecdotally that some people with gluten intolerance can have sourdough for instance, or maybe like a grain from, from like that hasn't been uh, genetically modified over the years to contain more gluten. Cause that's essentially what our, our modern day 
grains are mm. but you know it could just be also like a little psychosomatic who knows like who knows we were i think uh dietitians are still studying this but the ancestral health scene has definitely helped me um navigate the waters and i yeah i think it's nice to hear podcasts like that because it sort of justifies how you feel because we were raised to think like in you know the food pyramid where at the top the grains and the carbs kind of rain so or is it at the bottom the bottom yeah because there's more of them <laughs> yeah. um yeah so it's kind of like relearning okay so what we were at the beginning of the agricultural revolution is not what we are now but it hasn't been enough time for our bodies to adjust as that's kind of like how i understand it so yeah, it, it's, it's super interesting. If anyone's interested to hear more about that, like, obviously, you can, your podcast is probably a great resource, but um, Rob Wolf is a really great resource for that. Um, there's like some carnivore diet doctors that have been like super fascinating to hear about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you. It's like not for everybody because, you know, we are from different parts of the world, ancestrally speaking. So some people might have a lactose, lactase enzyme that, and they can digest lactose more. I think I am one of those because I think in Eastern Europe, <laughs> I'm Serbian. So I think we have like more of that gene. Yeah. It just, and it just makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so interesting. And so I think like when I work with, clients the the most important thing i focus on is your own body you have to listen to your body and so many people we've been raised to think oh it's normal to have heartburn and indigestion and to feel bloated take a pill take a pill and we're just masking all of these symptoms but when you really start to pay attention like journal what you're eating journal how you feel after journal your emotions that have come up right and start to see these correlations between your food and and how you physically feel in your food and how you feel emotionally and mentally you start to see like oh like the, the trends right and it's like hey when i eat this food i feel like crap and i or i have heartburn i i feel bloated i have inflammation when i feel eat this food i feel really good i feel energized and then you start to get drawn hopefully towards eating more of those foods that make you feel good without needing to mask these symptoms all the time and then taking all this medication yeah, I think for me, I think my story is a good example of I didn't know how bad I felt until I removed these things from my diet. So I'm just going to put that out there to people who are like, oh, I could never, you know, like if people have a family, it's like if they're like the black sheep trying this weird diet, weird in quotes, you know, because it's like different from the rest of the family, what they're eating. They kind of feel like, oh, like another diet or whatever, but you have to stick to it. You definitely have to stick to it for, I mean, I don't know what you would, you suggest, but like I, for me, what I've heard four to six weeks of eliminating one potential trigger could be really eye-opening. For instance, I had this knee pain and I remember seeing my doctor before I changed my diet. And I said, why do I have this knee pain? I mean, I do I rode my bike a lot back then. And, and he said, oh, well, you know, it's just age. And I'm like, okay, but my grandma really had hip and knee problems. I don't really want to inherit that. And then like, I don't have joint pain anymore, yeah. period. You know, and like, sometimes if I do have 
some alcohol with like a little bit of like uh, extra sulfites in it, like some hand and joint pain comes back. And, you know, like, again, like I wouldn't have known that if I didn't eliminate the foods in the first place. Yeah. And yes. And a long time ago, I heard a guy say, he's like all doctors or anyone in the medical profession, when there's like any ailment, any pain, anything going on, always look to the gut. Like all that's where people, Hmm. you know, really look first and starting with your food. What are you eating? And looking at these relationships between any pain strains, like different things going on in your body and your food, because so many times you can cure yourself with food, just like, you know, your story. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hard to get that message across though. Mm -hmm. Still. I mean, I could just anecdotally speak for myself and however, there are tons of, uh, there's tons of information out there about it. It's just, there is still that, like, is it a societal thing? Like, oh, well, I'll never be able to go to like my, like this family barbecue because we always have X, Y, Z, Um, I just think that like, if you go somewhere and you're like a little anxious about that, it's always good to have like a little bit of food before you go. (laughs) Um, and then to also, I mean, like I'm a recipe developer by trade now. So like, I don't know, try something new, try something, just substitute one thing, like try substituting coconut aminos for soy sauce. If you think you're gluten or soy intolerant, for instance, there are really easy substitutions one can make. Yeah. And there's so many. So what else, what, uh, what kind of tips do you, would you give people who are doing that? You know, they're in this place of stress. Well, I can't eat healthy or I can't change my diet because I have a wedding coming up and I have this coming up. Like I know for me, things that I do, but I'd love to hear some tips, some tips from you. Uh, well, I would say for me, this is a, that's like a perfect thing to ask me right now, because right now it's kind of getting into like a lot of birthdays in my life and like camping and that kind of thing. Really just keep it simple. Keep it really simple. Have, um, a tray, like get a, like a nice big baking tray, buy some chicken thighs, make some meatballs, make triple the recipe that you find online because oftentimes a recipe will only make like four to six portions of something and if you are focusing on a lower carb diet that doesn't even take that into account so maybe it's more like three to four portions so triple the recipe take like an hour or two out of your day bake a lot of meat have some salad greens in the fridge and then you know, you could freeze that stuff. You can take it to the cottage with you. It'll double as a cooler pack in your, in your cooler. And then it'll thaw by the time you get there, you can eat it cold or hot. You know what I mean? So it's like, you always have that backup. I think it depends on, you know, what your, what type of foods you eat and are avoid eating. But if you really, if you're like me and you like salty, crunchy things, maybe opt for something that is like the lesser of the, I don't like to use like derogatory terms for food. So like lesser evil, but not really. I really like pork rinds. I think dipping that in like ranch dressing or like guacamole is like, so in, in Mexico, that's what they do. They eat pork rinds with guac and it's delicious. If you don't have guac, fun tip, pork rinds with hot sauce on it. 
mind-blowing anyway we'll move on uh, like plantain <laughs> chips i think are really tasty you can find some that are cooked in coconut oil for me i find like macros aside cooking with uh refined uh seed oils really does me and i find i get super bloated i get that brain fog again so i know it's expensive to cook with avocado oil or coconut oil but if you have a Costco membership, you can go get cheaper coconut oil and avocado oil there. But yeah. extra virgin olive oil also is your best friend. And if you cook with that, I think if you just honestly, if everyone just starts with that, I'm, I guarantee you, you will feel a lot better. Just get rid of the, that canola oil. Sorry, canola oil industry. I'm just going to have to go there. Um, and just, yeah, like I love getting a CSA because it forces me to cook with local seasonal vegetables. Vegetables, whenever they're picked, they immediately start to degrade in nutrition. So once you get connected to a local farm, it's a lot easier than you would think. Um, you'll be supplied with more nutritious, more nutritionally dense produce. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of some other pointers. I would also say take your favorite cuisine, Asian, Mexican, you know, that kind of Indian, that kind of thing. And if you've never really experimented with like those spice blends, maybe find two or three sauce recipes because that'll kind of break up the fatigue. I know that a lot of people, like a lot of bodybuilders joke about like, oh, just eat protein, uh, uh, chicken breast, broccoli and rice. And if you're doing that and that's working for you, that's amazing. But I, if you're like me, sometimes you'll get bored of that stuff. So just like coming up with like a fun, like sauce idea, just to be like, now all of a sudden it's butter chicken flavored, you know, or, or all of a sudden I'm going to like blend some cilantro with some lime juice and make a, a nice, uh, sort of chimichurri-esque sauce that can really, that can really make you feel like, okay, I'm not quote unquote dieting. Yeah. And not eating the same thing over and yeah. over. Give some variety, right? Yeah. So let's talk about the dis dysmenorrhea. Dysmenorrhea. Yeah. Okay. So explain what that is. Sure. Yeah. It's just a fancy doctor technical term for unusually painful periods <laughs> that don't necessarily have like a real root cause to it. Mm -hmm. I'm just laughing because I mean, that is the state of like our healthcare system and how women have been needing to believe their whole lives that painful periods are normal. I don't think they are. I've heard a lot of naturopaths and functional medicine doctors say that it's not normal. So I'm just going to believe them as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say that ever since I got my period, I've had really, really painful periods. However, when I started learning about the gut and healing my gut around the time when I started uh, doing the elimination diets, I realized that NSAID, so um, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, <laughs> I think I got the acronym right, Advil, Advil pretty much like I was just like always on Advil my whole period for many, many years. And I realized that Advils, these NSAIDs, they 
uh, cause um, leaky gut. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so I stopped using it, but yeah, I would definitely feel really, really painful periods. I would have like IBS symptoms. It was, uh, it kind of sucked. Per uh, I was like, sucks. Does it suck as much as it did? No, it doesn't. But it's been like, it's been a journey. It's been off and on. Uh, but I definitely found that lower carb really, really helps. A more simplified diet really, really helps. And this is maybe controversial, but a lower fiber diet, I find helps those IBS type symptoms. Mm -hmm. And I think people think that for a healthy gut, you do need fiber. And I think that's maybe up for debate, but yeah, I think that, uh, first of all, like a nutritionally dense diet helped me. So eating more grass fed meats, pasture raised meats, and all these local vegetables, uh, when I did eat vegetables <laughs> really helps and not having raw vegetables around like the week before my period, I kind of do that. And I eat lots, I make my own bone broth and I know that that has collagen and and all those like, like nice uh, compounds and proteins that help, you know, your skin. So I can only imagine it's very healing for the gut. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you brought this up because I've had the most painful period since I was a kid, like since I first ever got it. And same thing, it was always here, take a Midol, take an Advil. And I was, you know, like 15 popping this stuff, like it was my job. And like now, like I have a really weird thing about taking medication. I, I, I <laughs> it. I'm like, no, I can cure anything that I want without medication. Like I have this mindset of, I don't like swallowing a pill. And then I'm like, well, what's this doing to my body? Like, I don't know anymore. <laughs> so I've just had this interesting relationship with taking medication, but also my period and same thing for me, like cutting out carbs, sugar was huge. So I was definitely that, oh, the week before my period, every single piece of chocolate I could find anywhere is in my mouth. Like give it all to me. I love chocolate and I haven't had chocolate in so long now, um, which is crazy for me. Cause like, I have definitely been like a chocoholic, but the difference it has made like the pain is gone not and I wouldn't say it's completely gone like there's still like a little cramping that I'll feel but it's so much more manageable like it doesn't bother me it doesn't affect my day um you know I'm not like in the fetal position just wanting to cry all day and so it's diet has helped that so much and cutting out those carbs um anything processed right those processed carbs and snacks and um, even like deli meats, like getting rid of all of that food has just really like, since I've cut a lot of that out, I've noticed, I was talking to a group of girls recently, like some of my friends and I was like, oh my gosh, like I just blew my mind how much the pain like started to go away just by changing what I ate. I'm like, see, I'm not making this stuff up. It's real. Our food can affect our whole life. <laughs> it's so powerful. It's yeah, so everybody. powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's amazing that you discovered that for yourself. And I also, I mean, it's funny, I like behind my camera, I see like my little supplement regime. And so yeah, there are some like, more like external inputs. But uh, one note about that. So when I started seeing a functional medicine doctor for specifically my dysmenorrhea, she gave me a blood test. And I will say before you start experimenting with supplements and dietary change, 
I think, you know, it is, it's expensive to pay out of pocket for a naturopath or a functional medicine doctor to do blood tests that are maybe not covered by um, the government, but it's, it's, it'll cut out a lot of experimentation and you can really hone in on what your body truly needs. Yeah. So this is also a good um, shout out to a life, lifestyle because <laughs> not, I mean, yeah, it is really powerful to be able to notice like, oh, if I change my diet, I can eliminate the bulk of the pain. But, you know, we also need to be mindful that good sleep is important. Being outside is super important for your circadian rhythm, for the vitamin D. A lot of people don't know that you actually, you can't actually generate vitamin D unless you're, you know, outside in the sun at a particular time of year, like pretty much naked. Like you need a lot of vitamin D and, um, for your immune system and for other things too. So that's just, that's just like a little aside. I know that I'm, you know, recipe, the recipe guru, as I like to call myself, but I will say that there's a lot to be said for looking at other aspects of your lifestyle. Absolutely. And I love that you brought up sleep. Sleep is so important. And I think as adults, uh, again, I was having a conversation with this group that I speak to about how we're not robots and adults think, oh, I can live off like four hours of really crappy sleep, right? Like you're not, you need sleep. Water intake is so important, like drinking water, movement, getting outside. I love that you you brought this in because it's all about a lifestyle. It's not just one thing, it's all of it, putting it all together and, you know, mindfulness and your mindset and, and that kind of stuff all needs to be included in what you're eating and, and consuming into your body. And it's not even just what you're consuming through your mouth, but what can, what you're consuming through every, all of your senses and your mind and everything. So just being really, um, I don't want to say strict about it, but mindful about it and have that awareness of what works for your body and, and doing all of the things. So we feel good. I truly believe when we feel good, we do more good in life and we thrive. And so, so I'm addicted to, you know, wanting to feel good and energized. And so I just love connecting with people who, who feel that way and be, and, and is able to share, share their story and their expertise with other people. And so thank you so much for everything you've shared today. It was so powerful. It was so great. Any My pleasure. Final, yeah. Any final, final words or words of wisdom or any tips or anything you'd like to share? Well, I will say that let's normalize feeling better. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah let's, uh, and you know, let's not forget to also have fun mm. and don't expect to change overnight. You know, if you have like a uh, bad sleep, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. Like if like ever, just like be, be excited about every little change. And I think journaling really helps with that. Yeah. I love that. And eat well, eat deliciously. Deliciously. So where if you need it. Find... Yeah. If you need any inspiration, yeah, you, you can head over to evab.com. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. So you have a blog do you sh and you share recipes on there? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a, a weekly newsletter that I, that you can sign up for at evab.com, E-V-A-B-E-E.com. And I also post those new recipes on the blog weekly. They're always inspired by the seasons and dietary restrictions are noted on there. So have your pick. There's lots of breakfast ideas, lots of dinner ideas, awesome. you name it. 
I'm going to go check it out. And where can, where else they can find you on Instagram and Twitch, I believe, right? Yes, Instagram and Twitch. So I'm at Chef Eva B on Instagram and on Twitch, I broadcast twice weekly. The schedule changes, but uh, I always uh, update it there. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Eva, for being here. You're welcome. Thank you. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, please go ahead, like, and subscribe. And as always, share with anyone who needed to hear that or may need to hear that today, share it with them. And as always, I love you and I am always cheering you on. If you like what you hear on the Trudy podcast, hit subscribe and head over to our website at thetrudylifestyle.com and learn more about what we do.